Noise Junkies. It's a music podcast, baby, covering every musical genre. What do we got that the others don't? I'll tell you. We got Mondo Heather's Heather Drain. Noise Junkie. We got Wolf and Raisins HP. Noise Junkie. We got Dark Destinations Father Malone. Noise Junkie. And we got you. We got music and we got you, baby. And you get it at Weird and Way Media. Noise Junkies. I'm Chris Stashu. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we are the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a once-a-month look at the Twilight Zone 1985, otherwise known as the second iteration of this show, this show being the Twilight Zone. On this show, we talk about the Twilight Zone 85, along with the Twilight Zone. We just talk about the Twilight Zone in general, for the most part, all things Twilight Zone related. On this episode of the show, we're talking about the 16th and 17th episodes of the third and final season of the show, those two episodes are The Cold Equations and Stranger in Possum Meadow. I'm a frontier, any frontier. There can be little margin for error. Just as the first covered wagons making their way across the American desert had a finite supply of food and water, so too on this even vaster frontier are there laws that must be strictly observed. Thomas Barton has been piloting emergency dispatch ships for five years. He has never been faced with this particular law of the frontier until now. Thomas Barton is about to discover firsthand that there are limits, even here, in the boundless reaches of the Twilight Zone. Cold Equations aired January 7th, 1989, is the first episode of the new year. It's directed by Martin Lavitt, written by our good friend Alan Brenner, based off of Tom Godwin's short story of the same name. And it stars Terrence Knox as the captain of a spaceship going to a planet. A young girl appears on the ship, and she has to be jettisoned into space, otherwise they'll both die. Isn't that sad and fucked up? And a really stupid fucking scenario to put your characters in? I think this was probably a good short story, but did not translate to the screen at all. Um, from what I have read, it sounds like it was a good short story until the editor was like, no, you have to kill the female character. Hmm. That was like the editor, the editor sent it back to Godwin three times and said, you need to change the ending. And what he was wanting him to do was kill the female character because quote, Godwin kept coming up with ingenious ways to save the girl is what John W. Campbell, the which editor is what, of the story. Which is why I don't like this fucking story, because yeah. there, there are so many ways. Just I'm not a fucking spaceman, but I, I, we, I'm sure we all thought of ways that they could have lightened the load. Well, so I thought he jettisoned some stuff. And they then could have shared that, I was like, okay. the load. Share the, the load. Close up. <laughs> Share the load. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, 
it's a really dumb episode because, like you said, Father Malone, there are... I hate to say dumb, but again, it goes to this lack of logic thing that the show has been doing, where it's writing episodes that have no logic. Everybody, like, oh yeah, she would have to kill, like, yeah, she kills herself for what? Like, for what? Like, for, for what, what, actually? Well, to save that, that colony that is being raged by some form of disease, I Meteorite guess. Meteorite sickness. Uh, <laughs> Comet flu. Meteor shit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, they need supplies. Yeah. I mean, it feels, it feels like a really... It feels like they could have adapted this for a next generation script, and it would have been so much better. Like the give that to the writers there; it, they probably could have handled it. Isn't this just like the trolley scenario? It right? is. It yeah. is very much. Yeah. The, the trolley scenario, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong here. The way I heard it, or I've been told it is: there's a trolley going down the hill. There's a hundred people at the bottom of the hill, but you have to run over some people to stop the trolley. Right? Is that what it is? Yeah. So, yeah. like, there has to be... Do you a, let these is, people die or these people die? Right. Do you right. let the smaller group die so that the bigger group is saved or vice versa? You know, my response is, um, don't use trolleys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, there, was that, there was a recent one, which was, what, the Skittles thing? Where it's like, if you... One of these Skittles might be poisoned, so do you eat the skittles like each skittle represents a life so do you eat the skittle and save a life but one of them might be poison i think it was like the immigration argument like do you let people in but one of them might be a terrorist or not right i just remember one person's response was i'm gonna eat eat all these fucking skittles because i want to save all of these people and i don't care if i die as long as all of these other people are saved and I think I would be eating those Skittles, too. Well, I mean, it's like any... I mean, again, it's, you know, it's like any disaster scenario, right? Like, why do why do the firemen run to the top of the building to save the people, even though they know in doing so they may die? Right. That is their job. That is literally what they signed up for. If they didn't mm. do that, they would be shitty firemen. And any fireman who hears me say this would agree, because that's literally what they're there for. And in this episode, you are an astronaut who is delivering cargo to a world, and yet in doing so, you kill someone. Your mission is now invalidated in my mind. Like, Yeah, and which could have been, you know, fertile territory had I given a shit about either of these human beings. Yeah. There's no nuance here at all. It's like the same stock kind of bullshit She's just a knave trying to get to her family. And, you know, and this guy, I, I, I know nothing about him from beginning to end. I didn't learn one thing about him. And it's convenient that they live in a universe where everything is calculated precisely. They don't give them enough extra fuel. What the fuck story in reality in the world that we live in, where the people are writing these stories about magical worlds, even in our real world? Fueled planes don't just have enough fuel to get to where they're going. That makes right. no fucking sense. That is yeah. that if you're trying to make this seem somehow efficient and economical, this makes zero sense. Efficient and economical systems work only when there aren't possible bad things that can happen. And if bad things happen, economic and efficient systems tend to not have a way to deal with it unless they've taken that into account. This yeah. is so unbelievably dumb. It boggles the mind. 
if yeah. you run out of gas while you're in an airplane, I mean, the airplane, how can it land, right? Right. It just will go around forever. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just, it's just bona fide insanity. And again, like you said, yeah. Father Mullen, there's a lot to mine here. It is a question worth asking. Do the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? Like or that the is, one. Or the one. Yeah, that's the, what Star Trek, right? Like, that's yeah. a question that Star Trek asks all the time. You're asking that question, and yet you can't even ask that question in an interesting way. Not at all. It's like the scenario was enough of sort of tantalizing for Alan Brennard as the writer, but then chose not to really explore it at all. Because they, they don't even really have the conversation of like, why should I have to die? Like, it's, it's just like, okay, we're going to try and keep you alive. I didn't even realize that when she walked into that airlock, that was the end of the episode. They gave it such little emotional weight. Well, yeah. There were no emotions. I mean, was the main guy unable to have emotions? I mean, he, he, I guess there was, it just felt like he was so wooden the whole time. And I was like, okay. Is he like a company yeah. a little bit more? Yeah. I, I didn't get the sense. Like Stoicism will get yeah. you somewhere if there's anything interesting about you. And this guy was not. He was just some pilot. I don't know where he came from or where he's going. Right. And some girl. Okay. If you're going to write a character piece, you have to have characters. And if exactly. he was an android, Mike, wouldn't it not matter if he were on the thing? Like, couldn't he just hurl himself into space and then, like, another ship come by and get him? Like... That's what I like. There's no scenario that makes sense here that they could explain this. Uh-huh. Like, oh, no. we, we can't get rid of the extra weight. We can't get rid of the extra supplies because that would mean people on the planet die. Like, you're telling me you can't take like a hundred pounds off? It's right. all in exactly. one giant pack. It's like, get is, there's too many logic leaps that are just like base level logic leaps for me to not be able to get past. Like, it's well, the scene where she becomes like, she's resigned to the fact. She's sitting in a chair that I immediately went, throw out that chair. What, exactly. I mean, what you, come on. Throw like, out everything. When, when she first showed up, he like contacts his, his like superior. And my immediate thought was, okay, that is jettisonable. Like, clearly this is where this is going. You have to start thinking now, what do I need to get rid of in order to save this girl? And it's so easy to have done. Like, mm-hmm. it, at least if you're going to make it a no-win scenario, make it a no-win scenario. They didn't even bother with that. They gave us the possibility of, of I mean, I guess because that's dramatic, but but if your solutions don't equal the fucking drama, who cares? I don't know. I think my favorite thing is the way I would write this in, in a comedy scenario is like, the woman's looking around like, what about that? No, no, I, I need that. Like, what about that? No, no, like, I need that too. Like, Take only what you need to survive. Like, he's got, like, this giant espresso machine on the countertop. Like, no, but I need my espresso. Like, there you go. Like, that's funny as hell. Like, he just, like, is so oblivious that she's going to die because he's an idiot. But no, this is just... All I need is this lamp. Yeah. (laughs) It's... Instead, it's just like, nope, I just... We just don't care. We just... We just don't care. Let's just kill this character because that would be... Shocking yeah. and provocative. Yeah, exactly. Like, how this was, pro- how this entire episode like, was based on the bummer ending. Right. The, and the bummer ending creating an emotion within me, which it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just disappointed. Like, there's the, the emotion that you got out of me was not, like, shock or horror. It was like, okay, like, what a bummer. I need to care about you in order to feel bad when you're gone. Yeah. It's yeah. not enough to just go, one human life is as equal as other. I don't care. 
you invest us in some way, for God's sake. You can't yeah. lament a character who isn't a character at all. Right. That's what, like, early 2000s horror movies <laughs> did not understand. Like, I don't care <laughs> about these characters because, like, I know that I'm not supposed to. Because you don't care either and you've done nothing to get me to care about them. So I just want to see them die. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know where that, they know where this episode is going. The moment it's on and you see this girl show up, you're like, she's going to die. Like, that's... That's this show's yeah. idea of a good twist. Their, their, their thought process obviously was that the ending will justify everything that comes before. Like, we don't really have to, there's no heavy lifting involved. We just set up the scenario, set up the complications and how they are or are not solved. And then the ending will be such a, a bummer or like slap in the face to the viewers that they'll forgive everything that came before. Gut punch. We call it a gut punch ending. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what I mean, I guess because we can't do the twist endings this season, maybe I guess we go for the gut punch. I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah twi- twist. Twist endings are out. Killing characters with wanton abandon is in. Yeah. Like, it, that's what's hot this year. I'm. I'm. It must be because <laughs> coherent storytelling is definitely not on the docket for this year, especially not in '89 for this show. And speaking of incoherent storytelling. Let's talk about the 17th episode, Stranger in Possum Meadows. For Danny Wilkins, a sunny afternoon is a world of adventure. He's a typical boy who likes nothing better than following a trail just to see where it goes. But today, that trail will lead Danny through a private reserve, which lies just inside the borders of the Twilight Zone. So this episode aired January 14th, 1989. It is directed by Sterla Gunnarsson, written by Paul Chitlick and Jeremy Bertrand Finch. And it stars Steve Canley as a small child who meets an alien. Yeah. <laughs> uh, alien, question mark, intergalactic species acquirer. The collector, one might even say. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. Good night, folks. That's really it. <laughs> That's really it. Yeah. You might the twist is that, that he's an more. alien. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, okay. I didn't see that coming at all. This I mean this weird guy in the middle of nowhere is actually an alien? Weird. The man who speaks very stiltedly? Yes. Like an alien. Was that Mike Farrell from MASH? <laughs> it was not, but I can oh. see where you would think that. I really thought it was him the whole episode. <laughs> Yeah, And, you know, this episode started out and it wasn't necessarily promising, but when the kid's toy boat was floating into that fog, I thought, oh, man, we're going to get like a different world. Like he's going to wander away and something will be going back and forth with the mom trying to find him and like this new whatever it is. And all that promise just went out the goddamn window. Nope. There was just mist on the ground that day. Yeah. Yeah, that whole stay away from Possum Meadows thing. And it's like, ooh, what is Possum Meadows? Ooh, that sounds like it could be, you know, possibly a pet cemetery or something. Something, anything. Yeah. Something forbidden and bad that that will come to bear on the drama that we're supposed to be engaging in. It's just an over-makeup actor from Dallas. Hmm. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, he almost had that, like... I know his forehead wasn't nearly as tall, but he had kind of a forbidden zone alien thing going for him. Uh-huh. But it was just like it was like textbook how do you make someone look like an alien when you have no budget? Right. Like dress them in weird clothes that are too bright. 
maybe puts more makeup than they need on their face to look them make them look kind of orangey and strange. Make his teeth super white. Like, <laughs> I guess he looks like an alien. Sure. Sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. They're telling us he is. He is. But we're not going to spend one dime on makeup this season. So get that out of your heads when you start right. writing your alien episodes. Oh, and man, oh, man, does the kid have a thick Canadian accent. Doesn't he? And he's so, he's so expressive. Mm-hmm. I think in the in a, in a uh, a series with uh, an incredible amount of bad child acting, this one, this kid, he's the worst, right? Yeah, the, the most stilted delivery. You can just t- like that. You can hear. You can almost hear the director saying the line, and then the kid saying the line. Yeah, he was last seen in Billy Madison as the tenth grader. So yeah. Mm. That was a hard role. A lot of people were up for that role. Long and yeah. fruitful. Long Hollywood and fruitful. was a buzz. Long and fruitful career for that one. Everyone was sending yeah. in audition tapes. <laughs> Do you have a callback? I bet this kid did not. Mm. This kid knew somebody. Is I, this, go ahead. Go ahead. Mike, I don't want to be a dork, but how does this kid? So we should probably say, so basically the guy is one of these interstellar collectors, as we said. And he's collecting the kid and the dog and, I don't know, frogs or whatever. How does the kid escape? Does the guy just jettison them out of the ship? Because it's just like the kid just shows up. It's, it's Spielbergian. <laughs> it's best left unseen. Oh, no? fuck okay. you, Father Moore. <laughs> it's Spielbergian. How does he get on the ship? You'll never know. <laughs> It's it's just it's too, it's too wild and it would blow your mind. Our minds wouldn't be able to comprehend how that happens. Yeah, I mean, I this is like, the one episode they thought too much. Yeah, they were like, we don't. And they had to pair it back just so we would yeah. understand. Wow. I mean, I didn't like look down and miss something, did I? No. No. Okay. No, they they literally don't say how the kid comes back. He's just there in the grass. You know why? Because it would be too big of a bummer if the alien went away with the child inside of a spaceship. You can murder the woman in the previous episode, but you can't steal the child from the mother in this Mike, episode. Mike, to be fair, though, haven't we seen that our culture really doesn't, you know, care about women? That's hasn't, true. Hasn't yeah. that been made brutally apparent to you in the last, you know, couple days? So they can steal the host. They can kill the host body, but they must leave the child, yes, right. the fetus. Exactly. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Gotta yeah. have priorities here. Yeah, that's yeah. what you if they had, If the alien had taken the mother and left the child to fend for itself, defenseless, in yeah. the middle of nowhere, that would have been an acceptable... That would have been fine. Yeah, but time. then nobody would have helped it either. Or no, that's, that's my point. Well, that's fair. Yeah, well, that was a person since conception. Correct. Yeah. It's a pizza when you put it put your hands in the dough, Cherry. Yeah, that's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That chicken was fried while it was on the bone. Okay. <laughs> that's how we eat fried chicken you just eat bite the chicken and the chicken is just cooked mm-hmm. that's the way it works there's no such thing as a waiting period no. I, I think for me it's an okay episode but it just doesn't offer much in the way of substance no like it's not bad right and that, I think that's kind of the, the, the last couple episodes have been bad like the last episode is a bad episode it is a dumb factually yeah. problematic ev- ev- without any sort of reasoning why it does things. I mean, this episode has the, I don't know how the kid gets back and is alive at the end, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. It's not actively offensive, which is no. what we've been running into lately. Right, right. Which at this point, is that like all we can ask for? Is just yeah. like, don't be actively offensive anymore? Yeah, 
Yeah. Don't, don't uh, like you can tell your gentle story with no point as long as you don't do something egregiously dumb at any mm. point during it. Yeah. I mean, again, it feels like I've seen this story before. I mean, the whole idea of like a human zoo, where, you know, what first episode of Star Trek, the cage, right? So it's like, okay, I've seen this kind of yeah. stuff. And even this whole idea of like taking the kid, it felt very like Gamera to me, you know, Gamera versus Giron when they climb aboard the ship and the ship takes them to the planet with the Midwestern aliens, you know, it just, I've seen this stuff before and I've seen it done better. It feels, it feels almost like, you know, Richard Kelly's going to adapt this and stretch it out to two <laughs> hours and, you know, try to like add weird shit to it just to make it deep. Hey, Mike, don't forget, you've, you've seen this idea on this show in Children's Zoo. Yeah, that's true. Yep. With a human zoo, like, there you go. And that was right. directed so by much who? Better. Wes Craven? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. much better. How long? And was that was an like, interstitial one. Yeah, like, like yeah. get in, get long. out, make the point. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to have dinner with the guy who's stealing the children. So. No. Right. Yeah. Scout, that's an interesting name. Oh, yeah, thank you. My father, Atticus, gave me that name. <laughs> oh, <sighs> Twilight Zone. Why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Do we, honestly, like, we have, what, two, four, six, eight, ten. We have 11 episodes left before the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Genuinely, do we think that even half of them will be good? Or do we think at this point it's like... I mean, if we're basing it on what we've gotten so far, yeah, no. I'm very curious because we've got another Harlan Ellison coming up right towards the end. It's Harlan Ellison directed by Paul Lynch, who I think we saw a lot of his stuff in the first season. So, like, is this the last hurrah or will they have just removed the teeth from this? You know, they, the, the article that I read about the, the sort of production of the show when they decided that they were going to split season two up and throw some into season three and then pad out the rest of it. Like, I, I don't honestly know which episodes were holdovers from the previous season. So uh, uh, theoretically, we might get a couple of good episodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone had any mercy at all in the running of this show, they would have said, let's at least go out with a bang and save everything for the last few. That's... I know that's hopeful in the face of very little hope, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to, to hope. Oh, don't want for hope. It is forbidden yeah. in these lands. I think if Tales from the Crypt has taught us anything, Father Malone, it's that there is no God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that the, the the Twilight Zone did not pull up out of the nosedive. Mm. It it or not? Excuse me. Tales from the Crypt didn't pull up out of the nosedive. It crashed into the ground with spectacularly five- yeah. bad, yeah. No, but not enough. That's the thing. Like if yeah. they had really gone for it, a oh, Viking yeah. funeral, then you know I would have been ecstatic. <laughs> but and I, like, I we don't I, care about anything anymore. Yeah, I honestly worry that this is where this is going. Is this kind of like limps along to the finish line? You know, this is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Is like that's. I think that's where this is going, so mm. it's too bad. Oh, yeah. the Harlan Ellison episode is crazy as a soup sandwich, mm. which was a funny short story, but I'm I'm petrified at the adaptation that that we're going to uh, endure. So, speaking of enduring things, on the next episode of this show, we're going to be talking about Street 
of street street of shadows and something in the walls mm. cool i sound fun they could be good could be could be i've watched ahead they're not <laughs> well well, well great <laughs> but don't stop uh don't let that stop you from tuning into the next episode that's right <laughs> yeah. want to hear three idiots complain about a show that nobody gave a shit about come on back <laughs> next month we got more for you so much so that they fucking canceled it and just threw a third season together from scraps mm-hmm. this is the twilight zone in sausage for it's made out of scraps <laughs> from a cave <laughs> until then where can people find you host of the projection booth podcast mr mike white well, you may or may not have heard, but I am the host of the Projection Booth Podcast, and you can find that at projectionboothpodcast.com. And you can hear Chris and I talk about Barney Miller on the Barney Miller Podcast, and you can hear us talk about Rankin and Bass on the Rankin on Bass Podcast. So enjoy that. What about you, Father Malone? Where can people find you? You can find me over at fathermalone.com, where there are links to my podcast, Dark Destinations. It's a half-hour radio drama I do. Um, there's links to my YouTube channel, which you can see uh, my sort of cuckoo animations and, uh, and uh, video essays on movies. And uh, you can also hear me occasionally on the Culture Cast and other things. Cstashy.com is where you can find me, C-S-T-A-C-H-I-W.com. Things that I work on that they've already mentioned, along with my main show, The Culture Cast, where we talk about movies. And then the other main show, Scary Stories We Tell, where we talk about weird things that are weird and will stay weird. So come be weird with us. As for this show, TwilightZone85.com, Dreams for Sale on all your podcast platforms. Big thanks, as always, to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the awesome music for this show. We'll catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.